Well, hello. Good morning. There's fun. You know, yeah, you're still you're still there. Yep, and I know. I'm gonna yes, and you're oh, still there over there. Good morning. Everything, everything gets gets. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Now look what he did. Yeah, yeah. Mark. Mark's bored up oh. there with all that snow. I'm getting I'm getting cross-eyed now. <laughs> but she's she's still Vaughn. <laughs> He's still Stewart. Good morning. Okay, now I'm like having a Is seizure. <laughs> I think there was something in my coffee this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on, I'm only on my second cup. I actually got uh got my walk in early this morning, so I'm all I'm all I've got my three mile walk in and I'm ready to go. Wow, it was yeah. it was a little little chilly out there this morning too, wasn't it? Was, it? it was 38 when I started the walk, and I don't know what it is now. Of course, where Mark is, we can't complain, but it is here in Frisco, Texas. Um, it is two bars. It is 43 degrees. 43. Oh, so we got a heat wave going. And when I started my walk, I thought it was, uh, about, let's see. When I started my walk, I thought it was about 38 degrees, but it, it yeah, it could have been about 38, but anyway, right now it's 43. It was a nice, it was a nice refresh. I like, I like to bundle up. I put my cap on and I, my mittens on and I, I go. I like it. And today's weather forecast is brought to you by KVGI Media. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I like to get up and get going. And my cat woke me up at 3.30 in the morning, purring all around my head. And so I've been awake since and out of bed since about 6, 6.30-ish. And um, so I have had, I've, I've accomplished a lot already in this, like, short yep. day. The beginning to this, the beginning of Hump Day here. So, and and you know, if I had done all of that, I'd be heading for a nap pretty soon. <laughs> well, that's why I keep drinking. Um, that's why I drink my coffee. You're not a coffee drinker, though, are you? Absolutely, I am. Oh, okay, cheers. There I am. I my Colin oh. College cup. Colin College. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers to you. Happy hump day. Happy Wednesday. There you go. And uh, glad glad for all of you to be with us again here for something to talk about. And we are, uh, I want to also tell you, we're brought to you by KVGI Media and by our our illustrious owner and, and a show producer, Mark Warner. And want to give a plug out to his new show called Live Life. Great new show, great insights, great conversations with people, and and Mark has has a little bit different outlook on life, and uh, uh, we we really in, enjoy what he's doing. There's lots of new things happening at KVGI Media. Uh, we'll be sending some of that information to you from time to time. We're going to be launching a new music platform uh, fairly soon called Raven Radio. You'll learn all about it. It's going to be incredible. It's a very, very new twist on music 
that that you probably have never heard before and from artists that you may or may not have heard before. But Raven Radio is coming. But be sure to go on KVGI Media and catch Mark Warner's show, Live Life. Trust me, you will really enjoy it. So we are here and uh, uh, talking about a bunch of things. I got something just to share with you because it's kind of fun. A friend from down in Florida sent me an, an article about how people in Florida are are dealing with the COVID and, and getting vaccines. And what they're doing is it's kind of the old Las Vegas uh, thought process. And that is that if you want to get your, your vaccine uh, uh, early, you got to learn to grease people's palms. And uh, we all know what that is. It's like, like I said, in Las Vegas, when you'd go into the theater to, to see a show and they would take you down about four or five rows and you'd say to the to the maitre d' there, uh, excuse me, but could, could you get us a little closer? And you'd kind of hand him a 10 and then he'd take you down a couple more rows. He'd give him another 10, maybe a little close. Well, how about a 20? Where could we get with a, an extra 20? Now you're getting down about five rows from the stage. Well, this guy <laughs> sent me this article. That's what they're doing in a lot of places. Get to know, get to know somebody from the local hospital, invite them out for lunch, you know, it kind of grease their palm. Uh, in, invite a hospital or a, or a physician who's giving the vaccines to play a round of golf and let him win. <laughs> he wrote in this article all about the various ways that you can kind of go from the back of the line to the front of the line. You got to work it. So you got to <laughs> either gotta take advantage of what you got in your pocket or who you know. Or right. It ain't what you know, it's who you know, right? Be, be creative. Uh it, yeah, I beat my. Well, that's that's actually cute. That's funny. I but but all kidding aside, both my sets, both my in laws and my parents are in the process of getting their shots. They've both had their first shot, and then actually, my in laws got their second shot on Monday. Really, they they did well from both their shots. That was in Galveston and in Houston, and you know, so they're they're in the process of getting their vaccinations. But all kidding aside. You do need to be assertive in, you know, finding out who in your community is providing the shots, who has the vaccinations, where you are in line, you know, what category do you fall in? Right. And because they're not, you know, necessarily in most cases going to come knocking on your door and say, hi, we've, we're here to take you to your vaccination. You know, you've got to do your part in finding out who can give you your shot if you are choosing to get the vaccine and be somewhat assertive in getting yourself on the list. Yeah. We, we, we signed up with a friend who's a pharmacist and she's going to be giving, giving the shots. And uh, we are, we are, are, we, we got the word from her that she was going to be doing it and we signed up very early. So I think we're fairly high on her list. Problem is she's trying to get the vaccine. You know the 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 yeah. logistics of the network of getting the vaccine. They're they're sending it to a lot of the hospitals, which I I I support. I I, I believe that our healthcare workers should be the first ones to 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 uh, uh, be inoculated. Uh, but 
by the time it gets out to the CVS and Walgreens and all the other pharmacies, for them to give the shots to the people that are on their lists, it could take a little bit of time. Yeah. Mm. But have you have you had uh, uh, your first shot yet? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, yeah, and we, we haven't either. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get it. Get I don't it think soon. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 55 years old. And so I, I don't know what, I, I haven't really been paying close attention because I know that I'm not in one of the earlier, you know, categories or whatever. I'm, I'm far back in the line, a little further back in the line. So I Actually, really I'm not, I'm not real concerned yet because I understand that now the new Johnson and Johnson vaccine is, is uh, hoping to get, get uh, emergency approval very, very soon. And that is a one dose shot doesn't need to be refrigerated. And also it seems like that is going to be a little easier for pharmacies to give, to give because they don't have to have those freezer capacities for storage. Yeah. And they also have cut it in half. You don't have to go twice. You can get just get one one shot. So I mean, I'm hoping that maybe maybe I'll I'll be uh, high in line for for the Johnson and Johnson shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. As you sit back and see how things play out, it might be a whole different kind of process by the time you're in the front of the line. There was also something interesting that Phil just read um, the other day that at least here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. If you um, do uh, 15 hours of volunteer work, I don't know, like if it's a specific or for a specific organization, but you have to have had 15 hours of volunteer work, and then that will move you up in line, quite possibly to the point where you're eligible to get the shot right then and there, after you acquire the 15 hours of volunteer work. I guess it's a way of encouraging to get volunteers where they need volunteers. Yeah, uh, it's an incentive, I guess, to, to do that. 15 hours is I've done a lot of volunteer work in my day and 15 hours will take some time to acquire. But certainly if you're very anxious and, or eager to get the shot, it's it's another path to get, you know, to get in getting there. Did they, did they say where those 15 hours of work are? Are those through hospitals or? I'm sure, uh, that, they, I'm sure that they did. Phil was reading the article and didn't give me all the specifics, but. Just generally speaking, yeah. to, your, to your point oil earlier, there are ways of like if you to, to kind of navigate through the process of of possibly getting your shot sooner rather than later if you're that eager to to you know to to jump on it and get it. So you know just just you can call healthcare providers, you can call you know um, friends, doctors, whoever, and they can pretty much direct you. Um, I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great concept. It really is because the, yeah. you know I think that'll make people that do do the volunteer work feel a lot better about yeah. it, and also those people that are a little further down on the list to to understand that hey, look, they they volunteered some time, they they uh, deserve to be moved up the up the ladder a little bit. Right. Right. Yep. Well, you know, you and I talked about one time before. You know, educators being you know, some, a, a group that we feel should, should, should be up further up to the beginning of the line toward the beginning of the line. Um, well, sure. Yeah. Their, their interaction, their interaction with, with the, the children, uh, the, the school workers and other providers are putting themselves at a, at an increased risk. Yeah. I think they sure, uh, sure should be high, higher on that, uh, that list of essential right. uh, people too. Right. Which, 
which kind of leads us to kind of what we were going to talk about today, because with with teachers and the way that they've had to go about instruct, instructing their students and just kind of creating this virtual environment, educational environment. And it's a not it's not in person. It's you know, they've had to completely shift gears on the overall structure of the classroom setting and, you know, inst and their instructional methods um, in, in such a way that uh, that while it's worked, it, it has it has worked. It's it's not we I think everybody can agree. It's not the most effective way to instruct and or learn. But certainly it is keeping us um, afloat as we get through these times um, in hopes that we'll eventually get out of it and get back to the more traditional, more effective, more successful way of, of educating our, our students. In the meantime, this, this kind of lull that we've been kind of experienced, they've, they've actually given it a term and it, they're calling it the COVID slide in the educational system. And it's um, it's a while there have always been gaps in learning due to various reasons, this is huge. And and you and I've touched on this before. In moving yeah. forward, we're going to see um, the the kind of ramifications, I I guess, um, if you will, of this kind of COVID slide where students during this time have not been learning um, as as effectively as they would have without having to um, receive their instruction virtually um, and some students even choosing or maybe not choosing, but just life circumstances are permitting or are not permitting them to even um, tap into the online learning. So you've even got students that are not only failing, but students that are unaccounted for, just completely unaccounted for. They're not going in person and they're not they're not going online to receive their virtual um, instructions. So this is a this is a big problem, and 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 people are beginning um, to to not beginning. They they've obviously been trying to kind of evaluate as we move along and and define the current educational uh, kind of. Um, status kind of where we are right now um, and identify those students who have been struggling and who are going to be entering the next school year um, in some cases a year behind. So it's a, it's a big issue. And so one thing that they have been tossing around, I say they, meaning uh, districts all across the country, um, is uh, do we revisit, it's not a new concept, but do we revisit the concept of year-round schooling, maybe perhaps only temporarily to kind of combat that COVID slide that they say we're experiencing now and will into the, into the future here, maybe a couple years even. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm sure that there are, it, it's, it's a, a, tough, a tough debate because there's a lot of people and it probably more on the parental side that said, Whoa, wait, I don't want my child going to school year round. Uh, you know, the summertime they need to blow off steam and get away from school. And that's when we go on vacations and, and do things to the family. The educators probably, some of them are saying the same thing. Hey, you want me to teach year round? I need a break too. Uh, or, 
in some cases, teachers have other employment during the summer. They have a, a secondary jobs that they do when they're not teaching. Uh, how is that going to be uh, effective to them? But then the other side of the, the, the debate is, are the students really learning based on, you know, what they've had to go through? And I can't eat. I, I know my sister was a teacher her whole career. And it's one thing for a teacher to be able to teach nine months out of the year and do it in a structured way. But then to be told, oh, uh, starting next week, we're going to have the students in the classroom. And then a week or two later, they, they oh, you know what? There's a spike in uh, re reoccurrences of some more cases. We're, we're going to go back to virtual or a combination thereof. There's so much that a teacher has to do with her students on a regular basis. And now they've got to muddy it up with all these other other things. It's got to take a toll on the teachers and on the students. Yeah. I, I hear you. I agree with you. I, and as a former educator, I, I can certainly empathize with, with that situation um, just in terms of dealing with, um, you know, your class schedule and uh, the curriculum and just all, all kinds of red tape, really, that you have to kind of work through as an educator. It's, it, it goes beyond just the curriculum. I mean, there's a lot more that a teacher is responsible for doing. There's, you know, year round schooling has always been controversial for many reasons. And it's certainly not been something that has caught on in most places. I think that to your point, you know, most parents um, would probably very reluctantly um, want to adopt that concept for reasons that you just mentioned that are very obvious. Uh, summertime is time to get together with family and extended family and, and travel and also summer camps happen during the summertime. And I know that there are, families who feel very strongly about their, their children, not only obviously going to school, but experiencing other aspects of life, like summer camps that introduce um, different things, maybe religion or um, just sports or, you know, whatever, whatever, exactly. yeah. whatever theme that camp, you know, has adopted, um, you know, all so, and, and, and just the, the simple fact of summertime just brings that kind of time where kids can just be be free and and you know foot loose and fancy free and play kick the can on the street and you know do do their summertime thing and and I I think a lot of parents to your point would would not want to give that up I would be I would be one of those parents having said that you and I are having this conversation and I've had this conversation with other parents really over the years, even before the pandemic, because year-round schooling is not a new concept. But I, I, when you sit back and kind of just consider who you're having the conversation with, most likely it's in your circle. It's in your network. It's in your community. It's in your school. It's in your district. And so you're probably all going to have consistent views on whether or not year-round schooling sure. would be something that would work for you. Having said that, for example, Garland is a local school district here in our area. They are going to year-round schooling. Oh. I don't know if it's going to be temporary or if it's something that they're only considering at this point, but it's due to the COVID slide because they feel for their students, it's important to, to put, put some kind of process in place 
that gets these students who have fell behind, maybe maybe not only fallen behind, but failed in some cases and or not even attended in some cases, they're thinking that this is a way to get them back on track. So well, you know, the, the, the pandemic hit us a year ago. And when, when it hit, I think people thought that by the summer of last year, uh, it, it would be, it would be pretty much past us. So it wouldn't have, have affected except one semester of students. Well, that didn't happen. And we went through the whole summer and, uh, now the kids went back to school in the fall and they were going back virtually. Some, some were going into a hybrid program. Uh, and you realize that that summer was, was a, a summer where we thought everything would be go back to, to, wipe the, the slate clean. Now we get into this next school year and all through the fall, we're still in the same situation of virtual learning. Now we're into heading into the spring of this, of the second year. And I can understand why if there was this need, this summer would probably be the prime time to go to that extended year round learning in order to allow the, any of those students to be able to catch up so that hopefully everybody will be vaccinated as we head into the fall of this year and the school year 21-22, we will be on the downhill side of this and we'll get back into a program where we wouldn't need that year-round year learning. I mean, when I was growing up, uh, I, went to, I went to what they called summer school and, and it, was, it was an elective. It was it was optional, but what it was, it allowed some of us average students to take a course like in government or physics or chemistry or something in the summertime, and all that was you know a little bit more condensed. But you only had to concentrate on studying for that one hard subject. You'd get that past you so that it wouldn't affect your your fall term. I think that's partially what this year-round learning would would allow some of those students who found it difficult to stay on pace and all to to be able to be geared up for that next next full year of learning yeah absolutely and summer school has always been around and I've had some I attended summer school I but I just did it like kind of like you I took an elective and it was more more for just to keep kind of keep me busy or whatever but like I think and actually, um, you know, they, they will, they will have summer school. They always have summer school. They'll continue to have summer school. Um, and they'll have other programs that have always been available to, to the to kids, students, you know, during the summer. But I think this is more of a, for me, I, I think it's almost on an as needed. I see it as it should be as almost on an as needed basis to look at the concept of year round schooling for every student in every school in every district might not be necessary right? Um, because you might have a lot of kids and I'm sure there are many, many kids out students out there who are performing uh, just fine. Uh, perhaps they have had the resources and the support and all that they needed, whatever that might be to maintain a very effective learning environment and educational education. And so the, the question I would think would be before a district went year round would be, identify the need. I mean, first and foremost, see if across the board, you feel that your students need 
that full blown year round schooling, which to your point is going to be year round, meaning every subject. And basically it will be just intermittent. In some cases, the schools will maybe close. And I don't know how long the breaks will be, but it would be school is open. Students are there maybe a, a month or two, six, eight weeks. Don't know. Then you have a break for maybe a week, two weeks, three. I don't Again, Basically intermittent breaks throughout the year, which kind of keeps that those get those those long term gaps from happening to where that's when the students start to lose kind of what they've been learning in class. So I would think before a district did that, and even in the case of COVID, that they would need to identify the need across the board. And again, you're going to find, and if you do any kind of reading on this, you're going to find that there'll be needs, there'll be greater needs in those districts where there are, you know, maybe there's a higher percentage of minorities or socioeconomic you know, situations, you know, financial situations, um, uh, family structure, um, household, you know, where both parents are, you're going to find probably greater needs in those type of communities or schools or districts across the country. So this isn't a, a once again, whenever you and I talk about edu the educational system, it's a big umbrella. Right, right. Every, every school is different. Every district different. Every state is different, um, especially now. Geography is greatly considered whenever we're talking about COVID because it's treated so differently. California, New Jersey, Texas, etc. So while year-round schooling has its pros and cons, which I'd like to touch on, um, also it's something that has to be very much considered year-round schooling on a case-to-case, case-by-case basis. Well, yeah, or, or school district to school district, even with, within, within an area. I know, you know, we talk about what, what is best for the students, and certainly that's, that's what the educational uh, uh, administrations have to think about. The other side of the the the, the issue is the the parents' side of it. You know, uh, is this year round going to happen inside the schools or is it going to be virtual? If it's in the schools, well, maybe it's not that much of a hit on the parents because if the kids are going to get up and they're going to go to the school uh, for school all through the 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 the, uh, uh, the summer season, fine. I can then drop them off at school and go to work come back and pick them up and go home. Now, if part of it's going to be virtual at home, now that that upsets my my work cart because I can't be in the office. Now I have to be at home for the virtual uh, uh tutoring at home or or to make sure that somebody is 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 with the kids at home. Everybody gets everybody gets I don't think I when we talk about year-round schooling, I don't think it's virtual. I, I, I don't believe that to be the case. I could be, but I think when these, when they're proposing the year round schooling, it is, it is to be the in person year round schooling to, to, to again, combat the situation of the virtual learning that's yeah. been happening. But so what I, happens if there's a spike in COVID cases? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 during the year round schooling. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I don't know because even our school here, they've changed the policy already which is it used to be if there was a, if there was a student in a classroom that uh, tested positive for COVID, the entire classroom, and I'm talking in person, because here in Frisco ISD, 
we started our school year um, with a with a with an option for our students. You could either go in person under certain restrictions, or you could go online and 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 receive your education right. virtually. Right. Anyway, at the beginning of the year, those students that were in person, if one student tested positive, the entire class had to go home and quarantine for 14 days. Since the beginning of our school year, uh, that policy has changed now to where uh, even like on a school bus, used to same thing for the school bus. If one student on the school bus tested positive, the entire school bus had to stay home. Now it has changed to where whoever was in close, only the individuals who was, who was in close contact with that student has to stay home for the 14 days. Perhaps maybe the student sitting next to that student on the bus or within within six feet, I don't know. Same in the classroom. Only the students who sit in close proximity or however they define it. But so those policies are already beginning to change. I, I, I don't know about that if COVID happens during year round, but but you know, my 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 father's chiming in here and he's he's saying that during year round, there's still a month break in between each environment instructional. I, that might be the case in some districts, but I've also read in other districts, they do their year round schooling, just it's just intermittent. It, it's just kind of, they break it wherever, you know? So I think that's up to the district. I will say this is, this is, again, this is a tricky one because I, while I see some benefits in year round, I see it being also um, very tricky in terms of uh, how do you then manage, um, I don't know, sports, for example. Um, do you interrupt the season? I don't know really what you would do then with all the extracurricular, I should say, band, uh, dance. You know, there are a lot of uh, extracurricular programs that would be equally affected in, in maybe a negative way from year-round schooling, it would just make it very choppy. I'm not saying it can't be figured out, but yeah, that this is this is still you know very much a work in progress. What it is doing is, I'm sure that it's a good learning process for everyone, parents and educators, that will will formulate policies for the future. So if there is anything like this that happens again, they will already have a program established as to how to deal with it. But right now, we're still doing it week by week to, to watch and see what's going on. Take, take your point of the sports programs. A lot of sports have still been going on. There's no fans in the, in the stadiums. And all, but the sports are happening. If you watch watch what's going on on the uh, on the football fields in in professional sports, when those guys aren't on the field with their helmets on, they're sitting on the bench with their masks on. They're still trying to take every precaution. Those stadiums that are letting you know twenty five percent of capacity in, when when the cameras show you, they are just spread out all over the stadium and all. You have to take whatever precautions you you possibly can to to make it reasonable for all parties involved. Uh, and yet, from week to week, we're just learning. Well, if things get a little bit better here, we'll let a few more fans into the stands. Maybe we won't. Uh, but yeah, kind of we're all we're all learning from this. Well, yeah. Well, and we are in, in, to to we continue to reevaluate as we move along. But you had mentioned something earlier that I think is interesting. You had said, you know, that who would have thought that we would have 
we, we all thought that this might have just been last school semester in our educational system that would be affected by this. And then it goes through the summer and pretty much we can see that it's going to go through this entire school year. Let's just face it. It's going to go through the entire school year. But, but I, I have a good friend who's actually high up in the educational system here in our district who said, you, you, you need to understand one thing in Frisco ISD anyway. And I'm, my guess is that this is probably the case in most districts across the country. When we all had to pretty much back in March, shift gears quickly and the students were no longer allowed to go back into the schools that was called emergency education um and i know people were calling it virtual and again i just learned this because i was calling it virtual education back then as well which it was but it was also behind the scenes people the you know administrators are it was it was emergency education Right. Since that semester, last semester of last school year, they have obviously come a long way with their virtual instruction. And it is now it is virtual uh, instruction. And are they still perfecting it? Absolutely. But it's not emergency anymore. They're, they've become much more fluent in it. You know, well, what, so- we, what we learned to do a, a year ago is become now a little bit more more the norm. Yeah, uh, we exactly. know how to deal with that. Right now, I think that educators and, and parents and everybody is looking to, I hope that we can get with, especially with the vaccines coming, uh, and they're coming as fast as they possibly can, and is if they can get this this vaccine process going, I think the next, the next hurdle that we have is probably June of this year. Everybody's hoping that maybe things will be a lot better by June of this year, the end of this school school year, basically, so that the summer will allow us to regroup and reevaluate and so that as we head into fall of 2021, we will now have a new policy program to follow. Yeah. My dad is really chiming into this one, Stuart. He, he is, he's now uh, saying that educators will tell you that summer months um, just kind of the, the students fall behind and it's more work on their part than to get them caught up to speed. While that might be true in some cases, and I love my father and I, I, you know, he'll know that if I have my opinions, I'll certainly share them. I am a former educator and I never really experienced that being a big problem, at least in the primary grades. I cannot speak to the middle, you know, I can't speak to the really the probably eight through 12. But it's right. it, 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 it really these these children that come back from summer, it, it, the, the, and it's not three months. It's usually, I think, 11 weeks to be to be a little bit more exact. Um, but that's you know, I I don't know that the summer months provide that big of a gap to where these kids come back and have completely lost comprehension of all skills that have been taught to them. I just don't think that's the case. Generally speaking, the beginning of every school year, most educators are reviewing anyway. And so they're reviewing content that had been taught the prior year and they're checking for comprehension and they're reteaching if need be. In most cases, they should be doing that. There's probably more choppiness for teachers if, with the coming and the going of breaking and coming back and breaking. There's a lot of kind of, you know, lessons that have to be kind of thought through and developed for the classroom. There's, um, you know, not to mention, not to mention administrators having to kind of redefine pay structure, um, on-campus costs. Are we, are we on campus? Are we off campus? There's a, 
there's a lot to be said just in terms of how even year-round schooling would affect educators and students just because of the choppiness of the, of the schedule itself. Uh, I, also, <laughs> I also know that we're only talking educators and administrators and students and parents, but let's remember, you've got companies out there that have very strong views on whether or not they want schools and districts to go year round. And I'm talking the travel industry. I'm talking, you know, local camps, like uh, just all the camps that we have around here. Right, uh, the go away camps or the yeah. daycare. Yeah. daycare. We're talking Disney World would have a problem with it. Our little local Hawaiian Falls would have a problem. Um, construction companies. I mean, you have got industries outside of the sure. educational system that are going to buck year round big time because how it's going to affect their bottom line profit. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, as I say, and, and I think that just like I, I said for my, myself personally, those students that, that can grasp any kind of, of adjustment and be able to, to study and do well through it. Fine. They're almost in a separate category, but those students that fall behind or have, have been really challenged by all this upheaval, they're the ones that need to look at this coming summer as an opportunity to ke catch up to, to, to do it. And if, if that program is offered, I'm sure you're going to find thousands of students that are going to take advantage of it. Not only the student wants to, but the parents want the students to do that also. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, another thing that people need to consider when you're talking year-round schooling, because we are focusing very much on the academics of that topic, you do need to consider, and I know, Stuart, you and I have talked about this before, there are other aspects of our educational system that need to be considered when you're, you're having these students come and go from school. There's after-school programs. There's after-school childcare, um, free and reduced lunches. Um, caring teachers and staff. I mean, there are other aspects of school that this year-round schooling, this coming and going, would disrupt a, a family's uh, kind of lifestyle um, that yeah. needs to be considered in, in whether or not you really embrace this year-round schooling. I don't think year-round schooling will ever be a thing. I, I personally, is that's my guess at this point in time in this world. But I think because of this COVID slide, I think something does need to be done to get these kids caught back up. If I Do I think it's year-round schooling? Um, I mean, maybe in some cases. That's why I said earlier, identify the needs of the students in your district because every district is different. Their needs are different. Their socioeconomic breakdown, the dynamics of the community, whatnot. You need to consider, and then I think it just needs to be almost customized per uh, per, per school, per student, per district, and wherever that student, because there are benchmark tests. I mean, that's what happens in every school in every district. They provide benchmark tests for these students. You can identify where they are, how far behind they have fallen, identify their academic needs, construct a program that works best for your school, student, school, district, and go from there. Do I think it's, do I think we immediately jump into year round schooling because of COVID slide? Not in all cases. No, I don't think so. That's just my, you know, and, and what we're talking about for the school systems and everything is very much a, a similar thought process for corporate 
uh, the, the corporate community too, is they've got to look at, at, at how they're going to continue through this year and into the fall of uh, a part of this year. Are, are your uh, employees coming back to work? Are the, in, is the environment safe enough for them to come back? Are they going to still be uh, a furloughed? Are they going to still be working remotely? Uh, it's something that we've all had to deal with for over a year now. Hard to believe that it's that, it, that, it, that it's already over a year. But I can't stress enough the, the fact that we at least have something to be optimistic about and the fact that there are at least two companies that are pouring out the, 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 the serum, you know, hundreds of thousands every day to, to try and get it into the arms of the public. And the, the sooner they do it, the better, because uh, if they get the administrative people, the older people, uh, our, our children have a much stronger immune system, but eventually it's going to have to trickle right down into the school system where all the students will start to be inoculated. And then maybe hopefully within a year, we can all look back on this and say, we, we made, made it past it and we're, we're, we're now going to you know, move forward. And it's not a bad conversation to have. I mean, the, the vaccines, that's one thing to consider. But also, look, our educational system, there was always room for improvement um, under even the best of circumstances in our country, right? But yep. now these conversations are good to have because obviously we're trying to find solutions to, 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 the, to the negative ramifications of this pandemic. But also during that process of trying to, you know, better, you know, uh, kind of get these kids caught up during after the COVID slide, whatever. Maybe during that time, we can also come up with a way to better our educational system as a whole. Because I do believe that we needed to kind of look into things before all this anyway. So it's a good conversation to, to have because I think it will benefit our students in the long run. Yeah, you know, and for all of the students that have been sequestered at home and learning online, they've had to learn how to learn uh, in a whole new way. Now, eventually, when this is behind us, now they're going to have to learn how to re in, you know, reintegrate into the school system with their their fellow students and teachers in that environment again. So they've got to unlearn what they had to learn at home and now relearn what they used to do in in person inside the schools too. Uh, and it's a, I think if, if anything, we're all going to become better people for what we've gone through. Uh, and, and the uh, educational community will be better for it because they will be better prepared to handle anything that resembles this in the future. Uh, parents will, will know how to react to it and what to do in those circumstances instead of being blindsided by it. And so it's it's going to be something that I think we have to look at the positive outcome of what we've all been through to make to make it better for all of us, you know, in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself, Stuart. <laughs> well, you're welcome to you're welcome to quote me at any time. <laughs> I do. I do. I well, obviously, again, it's another topic that falls under a very big umbrella. But certainly something to you know chew on as a as a as a community member wherever you live and as a as a parent as a student you, you know, whoever's listening but put your mind around it and um, you know it's I, I think it's like I said bottom line I think it's a while it's a good conversation to have 
in hopes that we can better, like you said, better, better uh, each individual student, the process, um, you know, the system and all that. So uh, while we didn't, we're not leaving today's show with a lot of answers, I think we've given a lot of food for thought. <laughs> Well, it, it also, you know, for, for the parents out there, it's a good idea that if your school system has opportunities for you to, to volunteer a little bit of time to help them through this, and you can give a few hours, uh, you know, get involved, reach out to them, find out what they're, when there is a school board meeting, maybe go to those school board meetings. A lot of them are online uh, and virtually, so you can go in to see what your school system is doing today and what their plans are for next month and six months and a year from now too. Uh, be be aware of what's going going on, um, and, and and just stay stay involved and stay connected. Absolutely, mm -hmm. and and stay connected with us each week because it's it's important because we we come up with all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> I I think we do, don't you? I think we do. Uh, I think we do. My my dad might think we do, but <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, and 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 thank you to your dad for for chiming in because it's always good when we get some additional opinions and everything from other educators uh, and all to 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 know where we are and how we can address this. We don't have all the answers. But we try to formulate some of those those answers and concepts by talking with other people that, yeah. that do know as much, if not more, than, than what we do. Absolutely. So, well, again, thank you to Mark Warner and all for yes, not only for producing this show uh, and also, but also for uh, KVGI Media, all he does, all of the great new programming. Again, be sure to catch uh, Live Life, his program. It's, a, it's an exceptional program, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, thanks to Mark uh, for, for uh, helping us through this show. And again, we'll catch you again next week, same time, same station, right here for another edition of Something to Talk About. In the meantime, make it a good week. Have a great day.